Welcome back, Pubcasters. On this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast, we sit with Senior VP A&R at Concord, Brad Kennard. We learn about his unobvious path in the music business, a journey that is guided by his intuition. Let's just start off with a little uh, a little bio, man. You want to give us a little background of how you got to be the senior VP? Is it of A and R or just senior VP A and R? I always get these titles wrong. I think it's I think it's either. It's the same. It's the same. Uh, <laughs> I, right. I yeah, it works. Either works. Um, so quick bio, uh, man. I think I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of 26 years in as a music publisher or in music publishing and. Uh, Man, it started back in the mid-90s at Curb Publishing. Uh, Right out of college, got lucky and got an internship there. Uh, Was there for seven years, spent some time in some admin, got the nuts and bolts of the industry, Uh, worked my way into the creative, which was the goal from day one, you know. And then after seven years, I took an opportunity to go work for the great Frank Liddell uh, over at Carnival Music which was uh, an amazing experience. I was there for, for three years or so and uh, learned a lot. I look at Frank as one of those guys that was a mentor that just really taught me a lot about music and, and publishing, of course, but the passion for music. So things kind of exploded from there in terms of just my passion and excitement. And from there, I got a great opportunity to go over to uh, Byron Gallimore's company, Song Garden, which was a great little independent music publishing company and uh, see how Byron did it and see how uh, publishing was done from a different perspective slightly. Um, I was there for several years. Uh, Byron started an artist management company and uh, that was built around one of the the writers that I had signed there named Brett Eldridge. And it was a young Brett Eldridge and we went from uh, publishing, I went into artist management for about two years. And I was on Brett's team. I was kind of the day-to-day guy and and did all of the management things which taught me that <laughs> I was a publisher and uh, reminded me that I was a publisher and so I then went to after after that management company kind of imploded and folded I went back to publishing landed very briefly at a company called Full Circle which is of course ironic because I was back to publishing and uh, and uh, and then uh, Carla Wallace at Big Yellow Dog brought me in as vice president uh, of Big Yellow Dog, and we had an amazing time there. After a few years, I then had the opportunity to be uh, kind of the head guy at a little company called Razor and Tie Music Publishing, and uh, we were building. You know, it was it was not brand new, but it was newer, and I think they were looking for a rebrand and a rebuild and bring in some some new blood. So I got the opportunity to kind of be the guy at the helm there. Uh, and about two and a half years in, uh, the owners sold the company, uh, as happens often in our business, and I ended up here at Concord, which initially I thought was going to be the end of it. You know, the end of my employment with that organization. And it couldn't have been more the opposite. And here I am now, uh, seven years later, uh, as the senior VP of uh, the Concord Publishing Nashville division on the a and side. Dude, I got to say, like, I thought my <laughs> story, because I've been bought and sold a lot and just like carrying <laughs> through companies, but you may have me. I forgot a couple. I forgot about the Byron stop. And then I, yep. I did kind of remember the big yellow dog, but dude, you have, you've done some journey in your 26 I years. Have, 
Honestly, I have been incredibly fortunate. I mean, I, I know how difficult it is to stick around and do what you and I do for all of these years. And just every move, whether at the time it felt positive, ended up being a really great step for me. A lot of people that listen to this podcast, our, our listeners are up and coming independent songwriters, uh, independent uh, music publishers. And I want you to hear between the two of us, I have I hit my 30 years. You've, you're, you're like you said, 26. And our journeys have been challenging. I would, I would use that word. But at the end of the day, if you trust yourself, you're really passionate about what you do, it all turns out okay. Because both of us are still here. And, uh, and we keep doing it. And that, that's a question I get, yeah. like, especially the young people, you get a lot of that nervousness being bought, sold. I've learned to not think about that. Just do good work, man. Love what you yeah. do and do good work, right? You have to trust that. You have to trust that. I mean, it takes the passion and it takes the nonstop dedication. I mean, even through the tough times when you're just feeling like, man, am I getting anything done here? And uh, you just got to keep pushing. Yeah. One of the things I think about, and it's it's cool that you actually worked with Frank Liddell because in my mind, Frank Liddell's like this. He is an icon, not like he's an icon to me. Yeah, yeah. He I agree. did stints at Blue Water, and then he's done Carnival, and he's always been super unique. He's really done it his way, and he doesn't bet on the obvious choices. Now, when mm -hmm. I think of Brad Kennard, I think the same thing. I've always been so impressed with your <laughs> journey when I see how you do what you do and the writers you tend to sign. And I'm going to talk to one specifically because I'm kind of curious. What I want to get to is like your gut. What makes you decide to do what you do? And I remember you and I talking, you were telling me, man, I'm signing Ian Fitchek. And in my mind at the time when you were doing that, it's been a minute now, but I'm like, that that's a session player. And and he has he wasn't the Ian that people know now. You worked with him into that position. So let's start off with uh, this question. What what is it when you look at a writer and something that's just not the normal obvious, what makes you decide that you want to put your bet on that person? Well, I mean, first it's, it, it, I think it was developed. My, my theory was very heavily developed and influenced by Frank um, in those days. And, you know, one thing you might notice of all of that history is that I mean, most of almost every one of these companies was a pretty small independent company. And, you know, as an indie, a very small indie, especially, you know, you can't compete in terms of uh, trying to play with the big, big companies. They're going to stroke the check. They're going to get who they want if they want it. And so if you're going for the obvious writer and trying to sign the obvious writer that everybody is excited about is, and, you know, I would be excited about too, you know, I generally would tend to find myself losing the battle to the big, big companies. And it's just a reality of a small scrappy company. And, you know, that mixed with Frank's input back in those days where he said, Hey man, you need to go out and find stuff you love and you're passionate about. Trust your gut. Don't worry about what other people think. If you're that passionate about something, chances are you're right that it is at least good. And, you know, I tend to find myself falling in love with music. It's a little left to center sometimes. I mean, look, I love hits as much as any publisher and any songwriter. And obviously, uh, in terms of business, it's very important to be successful. And that is a focus. But, but also being open and uh, willing to look beyond the obvious. And I think that was, uh, again, very important that, that Frank really instilled in me was trust your gut, really be passionate, look beyond the obvious. And uh, don't listen to everybody else. And that was the key. It's the hardest thing to do because we're a business of hype. 
And, you know, all publishers and writers and managers and producers and labels get hyped up and it's easy to do because things that are moving quickly are attractive, but you also got to take some chances. And, uh, that's what led to Ian Fitchick. I, I became more aware and got to know Ian when I was at Big Yellow Dog. He was uh, part of a little group. Uh, it was a kind of a super group of Nashville talent uh, called Skyline Motel. And we had Daniel Tashin, who was is phenomenal and is a phenomenal writer and producer and creator. And Sarah Buxton was in this group and Kate York was in this group. It was just a bunch of really amazing singers, songwriters, and musicians. And I got to know Ian through that opportunity. Uh, when I left and went to Razor and Tie, Ian was somebody I was enamored with his talent. I knew he was writing. He was writing. He was writing with some of our people outside of Skyline Motel at Big Yellow Dog. And I knew he was an insanely talented person. Uh, and I think he might have been the first person I signed there, certainly in the very beginning at Razor and Tie. And I just said, look, I don't know what the future holds, but if this guy has somebody who can be on, be his advocate and, and really push him to think of himself as a songwriter, that good things could happen. Now, <laughs> 24 months later, he was making and they were releasing the Casey Musgraves Golden Hour record. I, I never saw that coming. I'd be lying if I said, oh, of course I knew that was going to happen. It's truly a testament to his talent and and skills. Um, but it was just taking that risk of saying, well, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but this guy is so dang good. Something good is bound to happen if we can join forces and really make him think of himself as a songwriter in addition to the amazing uh, musician that he already was. What I love is you can apply a lot when you're looking at writers and, and signing those creatives. But you've done an amazing job as well of like, Jen's been with you for a long time. You've really mm-hmm. uh, watched her grow. Great, great employee. Roxy, obviously a rock star because other people came and, and snipered her from you and she's going to yeah. do amazing. <laughs> sure. What? Give some advice on those listening that are on the business side that that did, did you see and look for? Because you've had a nice run of hiring some a really great talent, which... Also speaks well, thank you. to your your skill set and and people don't we don't talk about that as much because that's a hard game I know. Well, thank you for the compliment. First of all, I mean I'm incredibly proud of this team. Um, so when I had the ability to go hire all these people, you know, I really wanted to. I was fortunate that I could get different levels of experience, you know, different titles they were allowing me to hire for, different positions up the ladder, and so all the way from a new vice president down to a coordinator and. You know, it was a process of really diving in the community. And when you have five open positions, of course, you know, it's it's a scramble because there's a lot of people looking for gigs. It's also mid-pandemic or whatever. And so it, it was a lot of, of uh, really trying to weigh and balance things. And my main goal was that I wanted to make sure that every individual brought something unique, brought something different in terms of experience, of course, but also in terms of their perspective on music. I, I, it's important for us as we grow that we're not all thinking exactly the same. That's a terrible idea. You know, if, if, if every one of us, you know, there's a few songs when we get new songs in and everybody goes, yep, that's, that's amazing. But most often songs come in and you've got one or two people going, oh my goodness, I love that song. I'm going to go rock with it. And the other people are going, okay. And that happens routinely. And that's because when I hired everybody, I really wanted people to have different perspective on what they loved 
uh, in music. And so that we can be diverse, we can be, we can be in disagreement with each other happily, and uh, we can make sure that we're covering as much ground as possible and servicing this roster, which is incredibly diverse musically. So um, then I just went through and, you know, you, at being in town, as long as you and I have, you know, people and, you know, I knew a lot of, especially of the more executive people, Melissa Spillman, who I brought in was automatically on my mind when that position opened up. But as it got to some of the more entry level, mid-level positions, there's a lot of people out there that are great. And a lot of people that I don't know, uh, which is an interesting place to be. Uh, knowing there's so many people out there that you still got to get to know after all this time. Uh, and they're important. I mean, the young Roxy's of the world and, uh, and Ashley Knight, who I hired, who I had no idea, you know, we didn't know each other at all. Uh, but getting to know these people and bringing in their different experiences was, was the key for me. It's such an exciting time to be able to, because you did have to do it on mass. Like you didn't do it. You didn't grow it over time. Oh, it's like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. I got to hire a bunch of people all yeah. at once, but one of my favorites is creating that culture. Like I tell my teams when I've come in or after a purchase or, you know, I've, I've had a lot of different experiences. What I like to reiterate to my team, and I, I would say this as advice to people going through these transitions, which you will face if you stay in the music business long enough, is this is your time to create the culture you want. This is the time to create your legacy. Yep. And I'm a team guy. And I have always like that. You remember Lisa Ramsey and I back in the ham scene days. Absolutely. Like we just, we went and got it, you know, and then it was me and Missy at stage three and we just went and got it. And now I'm, I'm, I'm a super fortunate to be over here with the big machine team. And, and you can create that, you know, you can create that vibe and it really gets a team hyped up when they see that you can make history and that you have this unique vibe and flavor that you can, I don't know, it's really tough because you've, you've experienced it when you're with a great team, it's the best feeling in the world, man. Uh, it's just so much fun when all the things start. You got an amazing, amazing roster as well. Do you, Thank having you. gone through, having gone through all that, uh, again, let's stick to the advice thing. Do you, what is some advice you would give to somebody that may face one of those transitions in one of them that helped you kind of overcome all that transition at once? Like, how did you keep your head together? What are some of your go-to ways to just kind of stay focused on the task at hand? Wow. Good question. I mean, I think the key is going back to trusting your gut and relying on the fact that, you know, especially after all these years that, you know, you have to be had done something right to stick around this long. This, this business is brutal. So if, if you, you know, if you aren't doing something great or right, uh, you know, it'll chew you up. And so I, I had to kind of look, look in, inward a little bit and say, look, trust your gut, trust your instincts, this is still music publishing. This is still about the writers and their songs and pushing them to be the best they can be. And I knew that if we kept the focus on the, on the writers as we were building the staff, as we were navigating the corporate thing. And honestly, you know, the Concord came from another community. They were not in Nashville before acquiring Razor and Tie. And so the community of Nashville was something they had to learn and understand. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, informing them and saying, this is how Nashville does it. It's unlike any community in the world. London is maybe the closest, but still nowhere near what Nashville is as a community. And it's important to have uh, constant contact with your songwriters. It's important to have the ability and the staff to do that. So, in, you know, kind of educating them on how Nashville really works and the key to those successes um, is the songwriters. And so, for me, it was always focus on the songwriters, 
focus on the people that you're bringing in that they have that same focus in mind uh the goal of protecting and, and serving the songwriters if we can continue that we can make it through all of this and and navigate the world of new corporate situations and people who are new to the community who are looking to us to to, to tell them how this works amazing so having now we've got your your new building your new staff kind of getting your legs underneath you just take a peek down the road what do you see uh looking ahead for concord and yourself and your team well i i would say first it's important to understand kind of where concord sits in terms of this community we we have and partially this is because of razor and ties makeup but we have a very diverse musical staff of a roster rather so you know we definitely have a lot of music here in nashville that extends beyond the core country scene um a focus which you know may not be surprising is that we are building our country powerhouse roster and, and the goal has been to both grow new and young writers but also add you know some hit writers and some established writers and the goal going forward and right now is to be competitive in the country commercial market while still supporting and you know even growing some of the non-country music that we do here we do a lot of sync forward work we do a lot of you know roots and americana and uh, indie pop and you know on and on and on all out of the nashville office we want to keep those those things going and those uh successes happening but we're really focused on competing in the country market and so uh, you've seen that with the acquisitions of of some big writers like Josh Miller and Andy Albert, Lori McKenna and Hillary Lindsay. I mean, really uh, focusing on just being a competitor. I mean, we're never going to be the size of a major. That is not our goal. It's quality over quantity. But for the first time in my career, I have the ability to also have a decent quantity, you know, so not that we're looking to, to hit some number, uh, but we are looking to hit levels of success that that you know, we haven't hit yet, but are on the track to do. So that's really where we're focused over the next five years is just being uber competitive in the commercial market. I love that. And yeah, you've, you've guys have you, funny enough to me, I still look over at Concord and I think it's like a big grown up version of, of carnival. It's unique or big yellow dog either. Cause but she has done the same thing. Pretty Absolutely. eclectic in what she's signed, but now you have, it's fun when you have the resources yeah. and the availability to do those things. But when you say for you personally, like commercial space, is there somebody you're currently excited about uh, that you can talk about there that you're like, this is kind of what we're thinking when I, when I say those words commercial. Cause I think you're commercial. I mean, we all want hits at radio at the end of the day. I know that's what we're talking about, but right. what is, and I could, I'll say, I know that you've done a joint venture with Hillary Lindsay and you got Jake gear over there and he has a unique flavor and he's got some amazing young talent, but is there some other things you would speak to that, that, that kind of lines up with that commercial vision is for you? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, you mentioned that JV is a super important part of our business. Uh, and I think it's about, in, that was about investing in great people. Jake is an incredible, passionate publisher. Hillary is learning that she is an incredibly passionate publisher. It's a really interesting process for her to see that happen. But, but you know, in terms of being commercial, it's about, it's about exploiting copyrights and finding ways to make that matter and build uh, a catalog of equity, you know, Concord has 
an amazing back catalog of some of the great ca- uh, copyrights of all time. You know, the John Fogarty catalog is a great example. Dwight Yoakam's catalog is a great example. And it's, you know, those things, I'm trying to build the next generation of what that is. I want people to look at Concord and go, holy smokes, that Hillary Lindsay catalog is unbelievable, which it is already, but I want to continue that. Secondly, uh, you know, I want people to look at Andy Albert and Josh Miller, who are two young, uh, early career success stories. They're already hitting the tops of the charts, but they're just getting started. And I, we want to amplify that for them. We want to bring the best opportunities we can to continue that so that people are looking back at their careers going, wow, the same way that they do today about Hillary Lindsay. Um, and so, again, it's it's about exploiting copyrights, having success at country radio. I mean, that is highly important to our business. And it is really what I'm talking about. It's it's about competing in that space. You know, I for the first time in my career, I can say we've got multiple singles at country radio. We've got multiple singles behind that that we see lining up. Um, that's an amazing feeling uh, as a guy who spent his entire 25, 26 years hoping for one single to make your year, you know, as a small indie, hoping for two singles. You know, man, that would be amazing if we could have three hit singles this year. I mean, mind blowing. Well, with the, with the resources Concord has provided, we're doing that pretty regularly now. And it's it's thrilling to be able to do that. And like you said, using the resources and the support of a bigger company who's willing to to push hard um, in terms of, of spending and in terms of uh, investing in these riders. So, um, you know, golly, the roster is is chock full of people that I'm incredibly excited about. You know, we've got Andrew DeRoberts and we've got Sarah Buxton and you know, we've got great young hungry writers like Colton Venner and Abram Dean and, uh, you know, just Lauren Hungate, who's just amazing and crushing it right now. It's just it's just exciting to be able to do what I've always done, which is to help young writers develop and make a great career, but also adding to something I've never done, which is being able to bring in established hit writers at the same time and kind of balancing that roster. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunzey, executive producer, Travis Myatt, producer, Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production.